How's it going, everyone? My name is Scott Bennett, and thank you for tuning in to the Third Decade Podcast. Today, we're going to talk with Diane Darling about couples and money. So almost every time I find myself talking about the third decade and the impact we're having, I sneak in the little line that money affects almost every relationship in someone's life. And people become more financially confident, become better community members, employees, friends, siblings, spouses, etc. I'd argue that none of those things I just listed are more affected by financial confidence and security than your relationship with your spouse. As a mentor, some of the most rewarding conversations I have are with couples who are just starting to talk about money with one another. Money is such a personal topic for so many people, and even one's partner might not know their feelings about finances. This shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. When we hear about any study on divorce, money is almost always a top influencer. Knowing how important this is and seeing the effects of couples who are open and honest about their feelings towards money, we wanted to dive a little bit deeper into the subject. And Diane was somebody that really fits the bill to educate us some and start thinking about it in in hopefully some different ways. Diane's actually a graduate of our program, and you know our feelings there. We love talking to graduates. But she is someone who not only is a champion of the work we're doing, has written blog posts for us on different topics, this very topic included. She also holds a master's in family studies and human development and is currently working on her PhD in clinical psychology. Diane has a real love of studying relationships and personal finance, respectively, but has a unique interest in researching how couples can most effectively manage and communicate about their own money. So we're really excited to have Diane on today. I think she shares some tremendous insight and has a really unique perspective, not only being a graduate of the program, but somebody who's doing research and looking into this stuff on our own. I hope you all enjoy. Well, hi, Diane. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, we couldn't be more appreciative for for you coming on and and sharing your, your unique perspective with us. So to start off, can you just go into a little bit your background on how couples and their finances became such an interest of yours and really what you're studying? And is it something that you always knew you'd, you'd want to gravitate towards in your work in psychology or something that's relatively new? So I always kind of have been drawn to psychology. And in fact, I always thought that I would focus my studies and practice on couples. I really love working to help people learn how to communicate and see each other's unique perspectives. However, I did not know that I would be drawn to personal finance until enrolling in the third decade program. While I was enrolled in the program, something clicked with me and I just realized that this topic held an incredible wealth of potential because money is taboo to discuss. And so it can be hard to communicate about that even with a loved one. And I see a need to help people learn how to better communicate about their own relationship with money, their own emotions around money, and so that they can use that to communicate more clearly with their partner about money. Yeah, you you hit it on the head. I think most people don't know how to communicate personally with money, like on the for themselves. But when you add a partner into that and, and add decisions made by a couple, that becomes escalated pretty quickly. So. Personal finance and money are, are really broad in itself, right? And, and something that 
you know, we could spend days on personal finance and come up with a lot of different uh, different topics and opinions. What are some of the ways you see couples dealing with money uh, just on, on individual basis? So I typically see partners communicating about money in three different ways. So the first way is that they keep their finances entirely separate. So this can create a misunderstanding of each other's financial positions, where someone is with their finances. Um, it allows for financial dishonesty. It can lead to disputes about family goals. And goals that couples work toward together are essential for the health of the unit. Sure. So this makes having realistic conversations about finances extremely important. So I don't typically recommend that you keep all of your finances separate within the family unit. Um, the next way that I typically see couples uh, communicating about money and finances is that one person completely takes over all the finances. Now, for a long time in my own relationship, I was this person and I don't really recommend it. Um, yeah. Having someone take over the family finances is discouraged for a couple of reasons. So, for instance, again, this can cause confusion because it stops people from talking about goals that you set as a unit. The person handling the money may have a very clear idea of the goals that they think the family wants to meet, but may not actually communicate these goals with their partner. So that causes confusion and disagreement down the line. Um, another reason I don't typically recommend this is because one person taking over the family finances can breed resentment if one person feels they're putting in all the work in this arena. Sure. Dealing with money is really hard. Um, and it helps if you're both taking on some of the responsibility, even if that just means that you're talking about it and coming to conclusions together. Um, the final reason that it's not ideal for one partner to take over managing the couple's finances is kind of a scary one. But what if something happens to that person that's managing the finances? Definitely. So I like to plug here that often in a heterosexual relationship, the partner taking care of the finances is typically the male partner. This leaves women especially vulnerable. Women tend to live longer than their partners. Statistically, they invest less and they spend more. This can lead to some very difficult times if a woman outlives their partner. Sure. However, I want to say this is not just a warning for women. This can happen to anyone. Yeah. That's why it's vitally important that you understand what's happening with your money personally and your family unit's money. Yeah, definitely. It is such a, you know, kind of an, an old American almost uh, ideal of, of, you know, the, the husband taking over the finances and stuff. I think luckily that trend's ending, hopefully, and, and, and dying uh, a slow death, it seems. But uh, it's still a factor, uh, I'm sure. And, and we, we see it here when we meet with couples at the third decade, like, oh, I, I don't even want to think about that husband or wife, male or female, whoever the, the partner is, one of them might go, I don't even want to think about that. And, and so the other person kind of jumps in. I think the resentment piece is one I had never even thought of is like, okay, so you could be dealing with the resentment on two bases. You deal with the resentment of the person managing the budget, saying I'm doing all this work and the other person isn't doing anything. And then the resentment of the spouse that's going, I don't know what's going on in our finances. And, and, and I'm not making these decisions. Exactly. Well, that actually leads perfectly to the financial style that I recommend. Uh, okay. couples use, which is managing your money together. So sure. this can come in a lot of different forms, but my favorite is through the money date. So this is basically just setting aside time to discuss not only day-to-day -day issues, but also long-term goals. This can be, well, it's certainly important, but it can also be very romantic. So <laughs> 
you want to talk about, you know, whether Johnny can afford to go to day camp? Do you want to go on an extravagant date? Do you both want to take a year off to travel the world? These are really important topics that should be discussed through concrete planning on a regular basis. And so I recommend having a money date at least once a month to brush up on your budget, savings goals, and almost most importantly, big picture endeavors. That is an excellent idea. Because one of the things that we're constantly battling is the chore of money. Is money, as we talked about already, brings anxiety for some people. It brings differences in opinion. And and even when you're dealing with yourself, it can feel like a chore. And so shifting that narrative a little bit is a great idea, especially in COVID, to, to try and do and add a spin to, you know, get takeout and, and do something like that to it. So very, very cool. We talked about that in terms of budgeting, right? Making it a little bit more of a of a thing. But if I, I like the idea better is let's let's expand on that. Let's make that more broad, not just sit down once a month and talk about our budget or our spending. Let's talk about our goals too. That's a really, really cool idea. Well, that's a perfect segue into my next question, which is when we do meet with couples, we get a pretty wide range a lot of the times in terms of their their own personal relationship towards money. So there are times when one person in the relationship, we, we ask couples to rank, you know, what's your anxiety about money? How do you feel about money? There are times where, where somebody will write, I don't really think about it. It's an ends to a means. And, and then another the other spouse might go, I don't sleep at night because all I think about is our money and what's going right. on. So is that difference in emotions and, and, and their feelings towards money? Is that a red flag? Is there something that couples who find themselves in that situation can do to, to get in front of it? I would say that differing feelings and emotions toward money is absolutely not a red flag in a relationship. Um, couples are coming together, merging two sets of value systems family norms, and internal personal narratives about money that will all inevitably be very different from that of their partners. Um, yeah. The most important thing couples can do to mitigate this is to communicate. Set aside regular time to discuss these hard topics and get on the same page. And eventually this can be fun or at least manageable for both partners. I think you're you're completely right in just talking about it. And I'm glad you said that it isn't a red flag because that it was a it was an honest question of mine you know is this as a psychologist are you going oh man these these people are way on opposite sides of the spectrum but uh it's good to hear that just talking through it and understanding that i think as couples you know we talk about over and over again as mentors of the third decade is being open to how people come to their relationship with money through a multitude of different ways right and and people's relationships are based on a ton of factors and as mentors, it's not our responsibility to project our own feelings on money onto somebody else. We want to educate and, and help people establish their own goals and things like that. But that's probably really important as a couple, too. Like, you know, just because your spouse is very, very stressed about money doesn't mean that they're wrong to feel that way. It's probably a give and take in some ways, right? Absolutely. I think it's important to just know that you are coming from different backgrounds and your understanding of money is just entirely different. And truly, I will sound like a broken record saying this about couples and money, but the best thing that you can do is just learn to communicate about this and be understanding about where your partner is coming from. Sure. So let's say, hypothetically, there's somebody listening right now who's at the beginning of a, of a relationship 
um, of a serious relationship. First of all, if you're in that boat, good luck in COVID. Uh, <laughs> you found somebody. Uh, but when should, you know, when would you say is the best time for couples to start having the conversation around money? Is there is it possible to be too early when, when looking at this stuff? I would say that I don't think there's ever a time that's too early to start having conversations about money. Cool. Uh, your money conversation initially may not start with you asking if your partner is maxing out their Roth IRA on the first date necessarily, yeah. uh, but it could be a conversation about whether or not you're choosing to split the bill. Money conversations that lead to a healthy, communicative financial future might also include how to go on dates for cheap, talking about one's own money plans or goals for their futures, not just as a unit, or discussing simple feelings about money. It is never too early in a relationship to start having these conversations. Amazing. Very, very cool. I, I think that, you know, that probably ties into an earlier thing you said, and that, that there is no red flag for being different in opinions about money, right? That, that, that's expected. It's something that, that we just have to deal with. The red flag might be, though, that somebody refuses to talk about money with you or refuses to absolutely to it's personal and, and everybody's a little bit different but hopefully you know admitting to each other that that money is, a, is an important factor in your relationship will will lead you to to having these conversations cool to hear it's probably not too early to, that yeah you're i like that i would personally like if, like if i went on a first date and we talked about roth iras but well, speaking from personal experience here, not a secret that having children changes every dynamic in a relationship. But one that in, in my wife and I, when before we had our girls, we expected that we talked through it um, and, and we went to classes and things uh, to talk about. Here's how your life is going to change when you have kids. Every every single person who's ever had a child will tell you how your life is going to change when you have kids, right? That's no shortage of hearing you're not going to get any sleep. <laughs> One thing that I realized when I started thinking about talking to you that we never heard about was money in having kids. And that has been something that I kind of expected because I, you know, uh, I work in this field, but nowhere near to the extent that we've actually seen it. I've heard kids are expensive. They're very expensive. Right? And, and it, <laughs> changes, it changes every dynamic, but financially is a huge one. And, and it's something we never explored or talked about before. Um, and, I, and it's so important. So do you think that's, that's a common experience we've had? And do you have advice for expecting or recently new parents? Is it, is it time to do a, a, a revamp of your finances because kids are coming? I think it's very common that people don't talk about this or give advice about money when you're about to have a child, despite the plethora of advice that they will give you yeah. otherwise. Yeah. Um, but it is, despite being common, it's surprising to me that people only talk about the financial impact of children in kind of the broadest sense. They're expensive or how much you'll spend throughout their lifetime, which that number is completely intangible. So <laughs> it's not right. necessarily helpful to you. Um, as an expectant parent, you are about to embark on an extremely intimate journey with your partner. And the best thing that you could do for each other is have frequent conversations about parenting expectations. This includes money. Now that you are caring for a third or fourth or fifth member of your family unit, the content of your money conversations will inevitably change. 
but yeah. the themes won't. You will still need to be talking regularly about short-term plans, long-term plans, and goals you have for yourself and for your children. At this point, I recommend involving a financial professional in these early discussions because that can help you make the best choices for your values and goals. So I recommend bringing them in too, if it seems appropriate for you and your family. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, good point. And, and your, your themes of your conversations don't change. That, that As you said that, I started thinking to, to our conversation. Yeah, we didn't talk about money specifically um, and it would have helped, but it wouldn't have changed our overall goals. Um, right. Having kids was a goal and having starting that family was a goal. So that played into our money, but it would have been helpful to sit down and, and have a little bit of a foresight into what was coming money wise. We had foresight in a lot of other ways. We're surprised by pretty much everything uh, that happened with having kids. But money wise was one that, that we didn't expect, I, I think, to be as surprised with um, and also as you're, you're less attentive to almost everything besides right, your kid takes up so much attention that money is one that you automatically become less attentive to and having those date nights um, and, and things like that where a focus around money, I could see be really helpful for couples who are new parents as well, um, or even more so that, that kind of elevates itself. So Diane, for couples who are Let's say they've been in a relationship and to your point earlier of, you know, having dates and stuff, keeping things together as you as you in terms of your overall topics and your themes of what you're talking about money, but then also having things separate as a couple. What does a couple do who has been together for a while? Is it possible to separate things out again or do you think is it a good idea? Absolutely. So I like to think about couples is it. I think as you're listening to couples talk about money, you'll find typically, not always, sometimes people are completely on the same page about money, but that is rare. Um, but typically you'll have kind of an archetypal spender and an archetypal saver. And so this can lead sometimes to issues where one person feels like they're the money police, where they are you know, telling their partner, no, you can't buy this thing. It's not in your allowance, which is very parental and that can cause a lot of problems. So what I typically recommend as far as couples managing their money is practically having a shared account. So you put your money in this one shared account for rent, utilities, uh, mortgage, these kinds of shared things. And you can parse that out. You know, if one person is making a substantial amount more or less, you can parse that out based on percentage rather than amount so that you guys are each matching uh, what each other needs as far as putting you know money into this shared account again it's important to have shared goals even if those goals are fun as a unit and so i also recommend having another account where you're again sharing some of your finances you are putting you know equal amounts or equal percentages into this account so that you can fund your family unit goals this can be a house or children or a super fun vacation or taking a year off work or anything like this um, but something that you guys are sharing together. Outside of that, however, I pretty much recommend that you guys have your own finances. You should be having conversations about whether or not you plan to retire, whether or not you are you know, fully funding the retirement vehicles that are available to you. You should be having those conversations at least monthly, but the actual dollar for dollar spending, people are so individual in their perceptions of money, in their emotions around money, 
it's not necessarily okay for one person who wants to budget every dollar to hold their partner's set of expectation. So having some individual accounts for your personal finances allows you the flexibility as an individual to make the purchases that you want to make rather than always necessarily coming together. If they are big purchases, you should still be communicating about them. But if someone wants to buy a couple t-shirts or wants to subscribe to Hulu or these things that they personally want to do, you're an individual and you should be able to do that. You should not necessarily be uh, expecting that you will always be on the same page with your partner about every single purchase. And that's okay. I think that's a really good point because as couples, we can get into patterns. doesn't mean that they're right. And so to my own personal life and things that would be would be helpful to know that we can we can reassess and reevaluate this type of stuff and the idea of keeping things separate even though we think about our goals and stuff in such a collaborative way um it's it's cool to think about you you have separate accounts and and expenses and things because we're separate people obviously so i really really love that idea and i think it's that's something that i haven't really heard and can be really helpful for a lot of people so Thanks so much again for joining us. I think your perspective as a participant, as being a champion of what we do, as well as your expertise is, is something that we just are so appreciative of. And, you know, hopefully we, we continue these conversations as you go on in your career and, and explore, you know, finances and, and how they relate to, to human psychology. So thanks again. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Scott. Thanks everyone for tuning in and big thank you again to Diane for not only continuing to be a tremendous advocate of the program, but also somebody we can reach out to and learn a little bit from her expertise. I hope you all enjoyed that and were able to apply it not only to current relationships, but any future relationships. And we'll be reaching back out again in a couple of weeks with our next episode.